top MMA voices Ariel Hawani, Chuck Mindenhall, and Pizza Carroll are live on the Spotify Greenroom app for every major MMA card with the Ringer MMA show. Hear the guys react to weigh-ins in real time and find out what they think of the fights the moment the final card ends. Plus, when breaking MMA news happens, they'll be live to talk to you about it. And if you missed the Green Room show, you can hear it as a podcast anytime on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin Bruno! It's Friday! It is Friday, and we've got about a month until the trade deadline, but out of nowhere, we had a trade yesterday. Mm. Uh, The New York Knicks. Acquired Cam Reddish in a trade with the Atlanta Hawks. The Knicks sent forward Kevin Knox and a 2022 first-round draft pick via the Charlotte Hornets to the Hawks for Reddish, Solomon Hill, a 2025 second-round pick. New York also waived Ryan Archie Diacono. All right, so Cam Reddish, who was once the 10th pick in the NBA draft, just a few years ago, 2019 draft, um, gets moved prior to the trade deadline. There is certainly um, a correlation between the arrival of DeAndre Hunter back in the Atlanta lineup um, and this move. I think it's fair to say uh, you could draw a line between those two things. Um, I... I was a little surprised at the reaction to this, to be honest. I think... What was the reaction? I, I That New York pulled one over on Atlanta. This is an amazing deal for New York. What is Atlanta doing? Um, it's... To me, it felt like a lot of people that saw Cam Reddish play really, really well in the playoffs last year upon his return show real glimpses of promise. A um, couple 30-point games in late December, too. Pretty recent. Yeah. And then, right. And then, you, so you see him when he's part of the highlights. 
but not necessarily aware that he's probably been their worst player this year on a team who is the most disappointing team in the entire NBA. He has the lowest net rating of any player that gets real minutes. I mean, they are actively worse with Cam Reddish on the floor than they are, uh, you know, without him on the floor. And so that's something I don't want to put all their failings at the feet of Cam Reddish. That's ridiculous. On the other hand, he hasn't been good. And I don't know, man, like to me, I would have real cause for pause making this deal because I know that there is always promise in the young players that were drafted in the top 10. And I'm not telling you the Cam Reddishes are going to become a really good NBA player. But what I will tell you is he's not right now. And this guy in, in Atlanta, he's not a bozo, this Travis Schlenk. And he's also somebody that's like been an assistant coach in the league. He's been a video coordinator in the league. He's worked with players in the league, you know, one-on-one. And he's been a player personnel guy. This guy knows talent, all right? And if he doesn't want to pay this guy, if he doesn't want to, if he's giving up on this, you know, and not getting some kind of huge return for it, to me, that would be a real warning sign. It would. Because, look, even if you are overpopulated at the wing position, you still try to re-sign guys like that as the asset so that you have that asset there and that maybe you can, if, if you want something different than that, you move it for what would fit better with your team. But to get such low return and to give up on the guy, at least for that organization, after three years, that to me would raise a gigantic red flag. It just would. Because he would know him better than anybody else. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I hope the kid finds his bearings and and does well in New York. He doesn't seem like a Thibodeau player to me. But I guess we'll see. And it's not as easy as just saying, oh, you made this deal. Like, you made this deal and you got to pay this dude. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more of a complex deal for both sides than I think the 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 Twitter, TV, radio reaction might have been, where it was, like you said, the Knicks fleeced them. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, it's also important to note uh, over at The Athletic, Chris Kirshner, the Atlanta Hawks beat writer there, and Fred Katz, who covers the Knicks, they reported that Reddish wanted out. Um, I believe there's a separate report that Atlanta had tried dealing him during the draft or sometime last year. Uh, and that's true. Um, that is true regarding Reddish. So that's part of it here. Clutch uh, believes that Cam Reddish can have a bigger role elsewhere and flourish and grow more than he can next to Trey Young. And maybe he will. I mean, maybe he will. And that's what's going to play into how we assess this trade over the course of time. Because right now, as of today, Atlanta is getting out of the possibility of having to pay Reddish in one year when he can become a free agent, a restricted free agent. The New York Knicks are giving up a mid to late first round pick. It will be a late first round pick because of the protections on that Hornets pick that Atlanta is receiving um, or could be, I should say, this year. Uh, they're getting out they're, they're losing a pick, but they're getting a guy who's been a really solid defensive player for years now, who this season has become a good three point shooter off the catch. The concern with Reddish is 
back in high school before he went to Duke and he was playing with R.J. Barrett and Zion is people thought this was like a Paul George type of guy. Somebody who could get to the basket at 6'8 with fluidity, could draw fouls and score inside. Reddish has been a poor interior finisher, shooting below 50% at the rim in the half court, according to Synergy. He does not handle contact well. He's very adverse to contact. When you watch him drive to the rim, he so often stops and hits turnaround fadeaway jumpers, a very low percentage look for even some of the better players in the league, especially for somebody like him. So with Reddish... He and you know his circle, you know, clutch the agency might believe that there's higher upside there, and maybe there is that he can tap into years from now. But he's nowhere near that part yet, and right now he's still looking like a three and D guy with a questionable three point shot off the catch. This year he's shooting in the high thirties. He's not shot in the high thirties anytime ever in the past. So this is either an outlier or. It's the start of something new for him, which could be a good thing. So I like the gamble for the Knicks. I like them getting R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish together again for obvious reasons. Obviously. Look, for this season, they didn't give up anything. I mean, so what? If you gave up, it's worth a flyer. The question is going to be how we assess what they pay up in free agency and how much of their cap it takes up. That's going to be the question of this is not a – we believe in this wholeheartedly, um, you know, amount of things that they gave up. They didn't give up. They didn't give up. You know what I mean? Like if you gave up a bunch, then you would say they have a serious conviction about Cam Reddish. This is one of those, try it out. We didn't give up anything exactly. anyway. And if we don't, and if we don't want to pay him a fortune in the off season, then it is what it is. We gave up the first round pick for a chance. The pick for what it's worth. It's top 18 protected this season. Charlotte's right on the border of that. It's top 16 protected in 2023, top 14 in 2024 and 2025. And then it becomes two seconds if they don't get it by 2025. So Atlanta, at some point, maybe this season, maybe next season, gets an additional first round pick. And my understanding is Atlanta is still big game hunting here. Atlanta is accumulating some picks. They want to be able, be able to be in a position to make a big splash, whether that's Ben Simmons, whether that's somebody else. Atlanta still wants to consolidate all of their depth more, all of their picks, and put it together for someone who can actually make them a championship contender. Atlanta's goal is to do that. With New York, I mean, I, I think you nailed it there, Chris, really. I think for the Knicks, this is a one-year trial with Cam Reddish. And if he turns into something, maybe he's a guy that you want to have as a keeper long term. Maybe he's good enough where he himself has more value than that Charlotte pick for a sign and trade, something like that. Maybe you can flip him as part of another deal. There's incentive for both of these teams here, which I understand. But it's all ultimately, though, when we assess whether the, who won this deal, it's going to come down to like how Cam Reddish develops. And whether he's like a soft interior finisher who is inconsistent from three and like even defensively, he's so lean. There's certain matchups where you can't trust him in. What does he turn into as a scorer, as a playmaker? That's the big question here. That's the gamble the Knicks are making. And the Hawks, Schlank, decided, you know what? He's not worth the investment. And that does say something. It really does. Personality-wise, with Reddish, they didn't feel he was worth the investment. And on the court with his skills, I didn't feel he was worth the investment. 
especially somebody that you spent such a high pick on. This isn't somebody that you didn't choose. The other guy in the Luca deal. That's what he is. Yeah, he chose him. You know what I mean? Like it's but he, but he did he did also want out though. It, again, like that's an important it's an important you know factor here that he did want out for some time now. I'm always a little wary of guys that want out of good teams too. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. Yeah, I mean the the agency is such a factor though. It 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 really it really is. I mean, Cam Cam Reddish Cam is a quiet kid. Like he's really quiet. And, and it and it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't really surprise me one bit if like Cam like if he were like with a small time agent wouldn't have had the ability to be like I want out. Cam's like really quiet person and keeps to himself. Well, he has no leverage in terms of trade me. Come on, no, <laughs> no. I mean, he's on it exactly. He has no leverage in that situation. It's not like Atlanta's like, oh, we better do something with him, or this is going to be bad for us. Um, how about the other guy that's in that mix? You know, we say all the time that development is not is not linear, right? Like you never know when these guys are going to pop. Any tinge of hope in the in a Kevin Knox resurrection? Or are you out? No, I missed on him. So did the Knicks and a whole bunch of other people. He's still only twenty two, but like, what 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 has he shown in four years? In four years, Chris, did you see the stat that Dan Devine had in, in his article on the Ringer? Uh, so I can't believe you're bringing this up. I mean, I'm I'm a fair guy. On its face, Dan wrote, this looks like a potential fleecing by New York. After making 57 starts as a rookie for a terrible team under David Fisdale, Knox largely receded from view. Of the 312 players who have played at least 2,500 minutes in the NBA since the Knicks drafted him ninth in 2018, Knox ranked 311th in effective field goal percentage. Dead last on that list of the 312 players, fellow former Nick lottery pick, Frank Nilakina. Yeesh. Dan writes. Yeah. Frankie, <laughs> Frankie and, and, and Kev Knox, 312 and 311 out of 312 players in effective field goal percentage. That's uh, tough. That's, that, tough. that's rough, man. Like that's that's really rough for the Knicks. Two two years in a row. It's mm. almost impossible to pull off. Yeah, yeah, you it really I mean? is. Well, I mean, the it truth is. is, look, if you shoot that badly, you usually don't get that many minutes. That's why it's so hard to be on that list. You know what I mean? At the bottom, like you don't get to play if you shoot that badly. Typically, but they gave both those guys a lot of minutes. Um, who, who do you who do you think was uh, three ten, three ten on that list? Effective field goal percentage, <laughs> and you had to play how many minutes? And, and, and also, just pick a number for Cam Reddish. What number do you think Cam Reddish is on that list? Oh, I'd just say pick a number. I, I would say he's below two fifty. He's definitely below two fifty. He's three oh four. Oh my god, Cam Reddish is three oh four out of three twelve. Jesus. Right, right behind Darius Baisley, right ahead of Josh Okogie. Darius Baisley had a big game last night against Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he probably moved ahead of Reddish. <laughs> <laughs> sample size. Yeah, exactly. Three, 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 ten is Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, that's unsurprising. Yeah, I mean, like the bottom of this list, it's like Justice Winslow. 
<laughs> it's Alfred Payton. It's like it's like a lot of former lottery picks that those guys that get chances and opportunities that just ha- haven't like really clicked. This is the benefit, you know. I might be older, but I still learn stuff regularly, Kevin. And when I saw this, you, you, you have just a, a sponge brain. When I saw you the, a, <laughs> uh, I no, it's funny you bring up that name because I was sit there, I was sitting there insanely hopeful about the Justice Winslow thing. It is not unlike this reddish thing. He's a little bit, you know, longer in the tooth. He'd been around a little bit longer, but the same thing. It's like, man, he's just been injured. If he ever gets his opportunity, sometimes when he's played, he's been really good. Uh, He had some big playoff moments early in his career against Toronto, right, where he played. He had some great, great times with Miami, He did. And it's like, all right, you ain't giving up all that much. If it hits, it hits. And, you know, it should have been, it should have been for me and everybody else that was a Grizzlies observer, a massive red flag that Miami was willing to give up on him. Should have been. That's a good organization. It's not run by dummies. And that's what I say about this Schlink guy. He didn't, I, 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 I'd be stunned if he just gave up a future star. You know what I mean? Like, he's not giving up on somebody he thinks is going to pop big. He did Trey Luca. But he did get Trey. You know what I mean? He did get Trey. I, I know, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like tough to say. You, you, you could say he did trade Luca, but he is getting a 23-year-old point guard averaging almost 30 points per game, one of the best passers in the league. I mean, it's in a way, in a way, in a way I'm saying that on behalf of the people listening who are thinking that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean, there are a lot of people saying, how, how can you say this guy's smart when he gave up Luca? Like, there are people feeling that way. Well, they've right? been, in the, they've been so. in the East Finals. It's mm-hmm. worked out okay for him. And I think with Atlanta, I mean, it's so strange. I mean, did you see his radio comments last week? Did we talk? We didn't talk about. We did. Those, we did, did we? talk about these on ninety two nine. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Now on ninety two nine. I mean, it's just it's very interesting. I mean, it's a kind of a strange decision to be so open on the radio like that. To you know, it's a market thing. Try. I mean, it, it used to be like that. Obviously, look, I I had a weekly uh, segment with Chris Wallace for. I don't know, six, seven years. And there were people around the NBA that thought that was wild, too. I, Danny Ainge talks in Boston. It did. He did radio in Boston. Danny Ainge was another one of those guys who was very open about stuff. I mean, like, sometimes he would hide things, but at times, like, he, he would say things. And I remember, like, growing up listening to those interviews, and I was like, damn, like, Danny's honest. They, like, like, it's so different than the Patriots. I, I, I mean, I don't know how well you know the Atlanta landscape, but... If you're Travis Schlink, that's a way that you get them to talk about the Hawks. They don't talk about the Hawks. They don't uh, talk, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like it's like it's a marketing tactic in a way. Like you 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 give you give him something that like it, it, we can chew on and talk about and be like, oh, Schlink is bashing his team. But in reality, it's like to get the local radio stations to talk more about the Hawks, Absolutely. Less about the Falcons, to let less about Georgia <laughs> winning the national championship, right? Yeah, and that was the idea. That was the idea once upon a time, you know, when when I had the scheduled bit with the GM. I mean, they were winning 20-something games. Now, he didn't ditch me once they got good. But at that time, you know, John Calipari's running the city with the Memphis Tigers. They're going to the Final Four. They got Derrick Rose. Nobody's talking about the Grizzlies. You know, it's just not even, it's not even a thing. And so, you know, I was. I was talking about them. and. 
you know, his opinion was always, and some guys feel this way that are in the league, which is, you know, good or bad, at least, you know, we're being talked about. At least there's a level of relevance because there's nothing worse than being irrelevant. So I think that's why Schlink does it in Atlanta because otherwise they may do their entire afternoon radio show and never mention the Hawks, really. Like, it's just not, it's, it's way down on the list. That's, a, that's more of a pro sports town and then a college town, right? Um, and when I say pro, I mean NFL, Braves. Braves just won the World Series, too. I mean, you're way down the pecking order. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got the Braves World Series, a Georgia National Championship, and the Falcons, you know, with the new coach, uh, you know, and their star receiver leaving, you know, a uh, third of the way into the season, and Cordell Patterson. And, I mean, that's just a, you know. It's not the same uh, there as it is everywhere else. So I think that's why he probably does that. Is there a player in the NBA that could undergo a transformation like Cordero Patterson has in the NFL? I mean, think about what he's turned into from what he was when he entered the NBA with, with the NFL with the Vikings. I mean, he's a running back now more than a receiver. Like, is, there, is there a guy in the NBA that could like in a different dramatically different role? Because I think Cordero Patterson, he himself deserves a world of credit for finding a lane in the in the NFL to maximize his talents and coaches as well for transforming him into that. Like it's it's all a culmination together. It's usually guys that are just being used differently. I mean, the one that immediately stands out to me was how much differently uh, Sabonis got used. You know, he was just shooting corner threes. I remember there was a stat his rookie year. And it was like December and he had not been to the free throw line. It was like December. He was just running. Pick pick and pop with Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Yeah. And he was shooting corner threes and he wasn't any good at shooting threes, you know? And then he went and like all of a sudden he's, you know, Demontis Sabonis. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Last night, I texted you as I was at the Grizzlies Minnesota Timberwolves game. The Grizzlies streak keeps on going. They are now at eleven games wow. in a row. They play against the Dallas Mavericks tonight on national TV, so everybody can watch that. Um, I saw Minnesota in person last night, and look, the Grizzlies have kept on rocking, no matter what they, no, no matter what has been thrown at them. That is the crazy thing about what has gone on with them uh, even throughout this streak. Kevin, at one point during the season, they were 9-10, and 10, and that night I did the postgame show, and it was possibly the most depressed, I, I mean, I've been, in, in, regarding a basketball team. They were 9-10. and 10. The Atlanta Hawks, interestingly enough, who we just talked about, beat them 132-100. to 100. And John Morant was literally carried off the court by two people. And it was like, oh, my God, he just blew out his leg. This season is over. They weren't that good anyway. They were kind of 
you know, mediocre 500 team. And now they've just lost John Morant. And since that moment, they are 21 and four. They are now, they have now have 30 wins and they've lost four games since that night. And most recently, they've won 11 straight. And they have, in the course of the 11 straight, sometimes you could say, well, they're the benefactor because they're, you know, many times the teams that are the most successful ones, you can draw a straight line between them being the most healthy, right? Or losing the least guys to protocols or whatever it may be. In this 11-game win streak, just for perspective, they have used six different starting lineups. They have had 10 different starters. They have had 22 players that have logged minutes. They have had 41 games lost to health and safety protocols. And they have had three different head coaches. (laughs) That's in the 11 games. In the 11 games, they have had six different starting lineups, 10 different starters, 22 different players, 41 games lost to health and safety protocols, and three head coaches. And they've won them all. It is insanity, truly insanity, what is going on with them. And at this point, you know, I am done putting ceilings on it. I really am. Because they are outstanding top to bottom. They've got a superstar. They've got the internal development of these guys. Jaron Jackson's turned into one of the best, you know, big defenders in the league. Bain's gotten awesome. I mean, they still don't have Dylan Brooks even in their lineup. He's out, you know. Um, But they have kept on rocking. Watching Minnesota last night, Kevin, it will be sooner than later that they realize Anthony Edwards is their best player. I texted you before halftime, and I said, this kid might go for 50 tonight. He had 25 at half. And then they wanted, it's just D'Lo and Cat, and and then swing to the corner, and Malik Beasley three, or Jaden McDaniels three here and there. And it's like, yo, if you just gave the ball to that kid, nobody can stop him. Nobody. There's nobody on this team that has any chance of dealing with him. And I I thought it was a bailout of all bailouts. I swear to you, Kevin, that kid could have had, you name the number. He is, let me express this to every every NBA fan. If you get a chance, I know that's not like a hot ticket in your town. If you get a chance to go see that team in person, go see it for him. Because I've talked a lot over the years about guys that you need to see in person to really fully appreciate. He is a monster, and he makes guards look so little, and he is so fast, and he is so strong. It's, it really is like LeBron-esque in terms of that size, speed, you know, ability, and he's got some dog in him. Um, my God, I've seen him now couple times in person and every time I end up turning to whoever's sitting next to me like Jesus this is this is freaky like you just don't see guys like him you really don't and it's the damnedest thing you can't blame D'Lo and Cat for taking too many shots though it's like Nas Reed goes one for eight Malik Beasley goes one for eight and Beasley's had some major horrific games 
from Minnesota is a guy who's supposed to be like a scoring specialist for them. And the contract he got, I mean, like some of the, like there's so many pieces on Minnesota that need to change around around Edwards and around Cat and around D'Lo. They got individual talent. There's no way around it. They do a lot of my turn, your turn stuff, though. Totally. And last night's game, John Conchar grabbing 17 rebounds. And John Conchar, I mean, I think it's important to note, like him in college at Purdue-Fort Worth, not regular Purdue. Wayne. Purdue, Fort Purdue, Wayne. For, sorry. At Purdue-Fort Wayne. It, 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 look, you don't have to say sorry for anything. No one's ever even heard of it. I'm, I mean... <laughs> I mean, they're the mastodons. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the mastodons. You should see the videos of him in college. It's like it was shot in 1972. <laughs> I don't even know if he played a game with like a HD camera yeah, in it. it. It was four by three letterbox, right? Yes, it's unbelievable. <laughs> no, well, so like with Conchar though, in college though, at at Purdue Fort Wayne. He was a guy that just like stacked up numbers. Like it was like 20 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. Like he was that type of guy. Like every night, night in, night out as an upperclassman. And and what I'm getting at is here is it's not abnormal for John Conchar to grab a lot of rebounds. However, in the NBA, I thought in last night's game, there were so many instances in which he made an effort to go for the ball. And the other team did not like it was as simple as that. He made an effort to go for it and they didn't box out. They didn't put a body on him. They just stood around waiting. And that goes on Edwards. That goes on Beasley. That goes on D'Lo. That goes on everybody on that team. There was no effort. And I thought it was piss poor to watch last night. And John Carchar, like we said it, we, we got tweeted at this yesterday. John Conchar has heart. He wants it more than anybody else. And last night's game, like he did times 100 over Minnesota. It was crazy to watch. Well, and he's not a he's not a novelty act. This guy is. Oh, no, he's for real. He dude. is a fantastic player. Um, Good role the player, last, man. Hey, over the last 20 games. You ready for this? He has shot 65 percent from three, which is unsustainable, but. It's not like again. Is it? It's not like <laughs> he he shot he shot over forty percent from three at Purdue Fort Wayne in four years. It's not like he can't shoot. The question with Conchar coming in is like athletically, how is he going to hang? And he can hang. Oh, he's an athlete. He can hang. He. I mean, look, his seventeenth rebound was a putback dunk. I mean, he's not. He's not. He's not some, uh, like I said, novelty act. This guy is a real player who they have developed and has turned into somebody that can really flip a game for you. And he he has always been a great rebounder, always. Um, even when he played in the G League, he at one point was leading the league in rebounding at his size. And part of it last night was Minnesota plays four out so much, including their big guys. Their big guys aren't in there to grab a rebound. So you got a lot of long rebounds. He's the guy that goes after him, and he's got a knack for it. Like these guys, some of them, you know, rebounding uh, in in many cases, there's some guys that are just, they've really got an innate sense for where that ball bounces off the rim and or they've practiced where that ball bounces off the rim. They look at it. They see the shot going up. They know where that ball is going. And he is constantly in the mix. But uh, they have kept on rolling. They they had just beaten, prior to that, the Warriors, 
who I saw. And the thing that I was, the Warriors went and got smoked by, uh, by Milwaukee last night. And I wasn't all that surprised. You know, I know a lot of people were like, wow, Milwaukee's really putting it on the Warriors. And it's simply because I had just seen the Warriors. Man, I'll tell you, Kev, when you see them, even with Clay back, you realize how essential Draymond is to what they do. Critical. Don't, you know, don't, don't underrate Draymond Green. For both of those guys, for both of them, because the he's basically just, their point guard. They well, and and the other thing is Curry's the only other guy that can create anything for anybody. Clay's never really been a create the shot for somebody else guy, and so now you've got all that on Curry. And so instead of that moment where Curry comes down, you pressure him, he throws it to Draymond at the top of the key. Now Draymond initiates the offense with that not being available for then Curry and Clay to just start running around screens and cutting to the basket and everything else, it is it is a tough, it's tough sledding for them, for sure. Is this a need? Is this like a, let, let's, let's say the Warriors are in a playoff series and Draymond turns his ankle and he misses two games in the playoffs. Is this a need for Golden State to address ahead of the deadline? Finding somebody who's worthy of, of handling the ball. I mean, it would be it would be certainly nice to have somebody that not can replicate that, but could do it a little bit. You know, they try Looney doing it. Obviously, this was a big problem with Wiseman last year, and I'm going to get to him in a moment because it looks like they may not have him back in any short amount of time. Um, but that's not what he does. It's just like if that's how you're going to function at your best, it would behoove you to have somebody else that can, and I think that's what they wanted with somebody like Iguodala. Um, but if you could find, uh, you know, somebody that can make the passes um, that you could throw the ball to and not necessarily be Draymond Green, but can at least be a facilitator from the, from the elbow, I think certainly it'd be something I would look for. Um, I mean, I just don't think that they have to have Draymond. They have to. Offense and defense, they have to have him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough here because with Golden State, you, you know, they're in a position here where they, they are a championship contender as is, right? As is. And you get all these young guys, Kaminga, James Wiseman, you know, he underwent that secret second uh, arthroscopic surgery on his knee in December, and that's why it's such an extended absence. They got Mo Moody, as well, they have some youth. Jordan Poole, even a young player who could have value, you could make the argument that Golden State should trade in some of these guys to try to get somebody who can be that other ball handler, that other shot creator for you, for support, to make them even more lethal offensively, if that's even possible. Um, just, to, I think that's something for Golden State to think about. The problem is, is who? Who? Who would that even be? Like, who is it? I mean, Bradley Beal... As far as I understand, like it seems like he'll likely stay th in Washington. I don't expect him to make a trade de de uh, demand ahead of the deadline. And if that were to happen, like it's, it, maybe you know, and, you know I, I what? Just don't, I, and, and maybe you don't even try to replicate the Draymond thing. But if you can find another guy that can play make, just somebody else that can make some plays off the ball, because it's not what Wiggins does. How about Ben Simmons, Chris? What 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 about Ben Simmons in the Gary Payton the second role? 
What if you put Ben Simmons in the role of the guy who is Peyton cuts, screens, he's a great defender, he's hitting spot-up threes. What if Ben Simmons fully embraces... You don't have anything to give up unless you want to make it a three-team deal. Well, I'm just like, I'm speaking theoretically. Let's say it is a three-way deal. I'm just saying, like, for the player you have your eyes on, if you're Golden State, who is it that you're like, we need this other ball handler? Is it Simmons? Is it Beal? Is it somebody worse than that? Look, I'm already $100 billion into the luxury tax. I'm trying to find at the margins. You know what I mean? I'm trying to find somebody that can make some plays. I don't think it has to be somebody, you know, devastating. I don't think it needs to be somebody that's like of that caliber, like an all-NBA type performer. Just somebody that can have the ball in their hands and make other people better. You know what I mean? Drive and dish. Run a high pick and roll. All these, like, you know, uh, like again, just somebody else that can run that. I can come and set you a high screen. I can come off it, and I can either shoot it or I can throw it to you in the corner, and you can knock down a shot. You know, somebody, it, it, it could just be a pure point guard, you know? Um, I don't think it needs to be somebody of exceptional talent. You've got all the shot makers. You got all the shot makers. And again, if they've got Draymond in the fold, they're going to be devastating. I'm just talking about if there's anything, as you said, in order to withstand injury, ejection, whatever, you know, yeah, whatever, comes about. Whatever really, that, and that kind of stuff it, happens. It could be anything. It changed, it changed the course of NBA history. I'll always believe that, the fact that he couldn't play. So You're right. it's happened before. We've seen it. We've seen it happen. And that, that's why like, I, I'm really intrigued by the Ben Simmons angle for Golden State. It would have to be a three-way, like you said. You're not going to get Ben Simmons from Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman and Moses Moody. You're not going to get him that way. It has to be those players go to a third team and then at player X, Y, and Z goes to Philadelphia. That's how I would have to be, but I'm intrigued because Draymond, uh, like Ben Simmons can do the Draymond thing, but Ben Simmons could also do the Kevon Looney thing. He can also do the Gary Payton the second thing. Like he could be put into different roles for Golden State, and it can work. They like the Warriors have proven they can accommodate anybody. They can make anybody work. They made Andrew Wiggins into a potential All Star, <laughs> Gary Payton the second a G Leaguer into a critically important role player. They can make people work, and I, I think they need to seriously consider going for it all here. I know there's like incentive to having all this youth. Kaminga is shooting below 30% from three, below 40% from the field in the G League. He's not ready right now. This team is competing for championships today. If you want to move off of that, if you want to try to find somebody, um, and I know that if, if you're talking about winning a championship today or maybe even the next two to three years, you know, uh, I don't know if they give him up, but when you, we were talking about a big that can, you know, Stretch the floor could also play make from that position. The Kevin Love thing is now like he's now like an asset. He just has. He's played himself into being an asset. That that would be funny. That would be really funny. <laughs> he he really has. He's played himself into being an asset. He, he's making too much money though. That, that's the challenge. I, I, I'm, aware, I'm aware. I'm aware. Again, I'm just talk, I'm talking about a type of player out there, um, and then maybe something that could come off your books sooner than later. Um, because you're going to be stretched thin anyway. Even though they're they're making a billion dollars on every suite, I'm not going to cry poor for them. Let me ask. Uh, let me just tell you about the uh, the, the, the Wiseman thing. Um, 
the Wiseman thing, as soon as I saw that story yesterday about the um, about uh, the surgery, which is really weird that it didn't get reported on, but that he had a cleanup done in uh, December, it was flashbacks. I just went through this last season, Kevin. And I told you this when he was getting the surgery with Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, Obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. has made a full return and has been as healthy as can be, knock on wood, okay? But one of the things we talked about at the time was there are, I'm no injury expert, but I have access to them. My buddy Jeff Stotts in street clothes on Twitter, who does an amazing job. Excellent work. I talked to Jeff about this. So... When Jaron Jackson Jr. had his and then Wiseman had his, these are young players who are big guys. And when you tear your meniscus, you have the opportunity to do two different things. You can either get it repaired or you can get it extracted, right? Replaced. So the issue with taking it out is the possible long-term effects right? That you could, when you're taking that out, now you're taking out cartilage and that you could get some bone on bone as time goes on and you could develop, you know, osteoarthritis, all manner of things, right? And so you're really, you would be worried about that if you're talking about a 21-year-old, you know, seven-footer. And both of these guys have had the same thing. And if there's good enough circulation around it, you can just repair it. Now, guys get meniscus tears, they come back after, you know, it's, it's a very short amount of time, all things considered, for going in and doing a minor surgery, and then they come back and they're able to play. But they've gotten it removed. The repair is a long recovery. And then you have to keep checking on it. And so I think what they said was there was some like, uh, you know, like basically they were doing a cleanup. Like if it, you know, once you do the repair, now if there's anything around it, anything that's bothering it, now they got to go back in and clean up around that. And when they were giving these short timelines back long ago, if you recall, I told you then, I said, that I, know, I know what they're saying. I also know what a repair sounds like. And we just went through this a year ago. They said Jaron Jackson would be back in December. And then they said he'd be back in January. And then they said he'd be back in February. And next thing you know, it's like April, right? It's like right literally the very end of the season before he was ever in a uniform last year. And then he hadn't played basketball in the whole season and a whole and the teams played without him for a whole season. And you're trying to find your way. Same could be true of Wiseman, you know. And if they're saying that he had this cleanup, it was just their way of trying to let people know that's why he's not back yet. And what you hope is that they clean up whatever they found and that he's just going to be fine, you know, long-term. Because they made the decision for the long-term anyway, originally, with the meniscus. But this will not be the last time that we've heard of this. So if you hear of guys getting their meniscus repaired instead of replaced, it's a very long recovery. And it's, and it's typically longer than what they say. Because there's usually something that comes up in regards to um, you know, and I, I, I think they probably did right by the kid by getting it repaired. 
you know, uh, the best way to explain it is these guys have explained to me is like the meniscus and that around it. That's like the shock absorbers for your knee. So you can understand it long term. Now, the more jumping I do, the more running I do, that could really be a problem for me down the road. And you don't want to mess around with 20 and 21 year olds, you know? So I'm hopeful he could come back, but I wouldn't bank on it. I wouldn't bank on Wiseman being able to be back in the fold. Yeah, I mean, especially this season. I mean, because like, what could, he might not offer anything. This is this is, again. This is a team. I'm telling you, Golden State is a team. They're competing for championships. Kaminga, Kaminga, he can probably offer some. You know, potentially. You know, coming off the bench a little bit. Wiseman, if he if he can offer anything. Moody has not shown that he can offer anything. Like they they have to seriously think about what can we get for our youth to further increase our odds of winning a championship. And they don't they might not need to make a move. They might not need to, but they need to at least explore every possibility that's out there. I, I think with them that, that is that is a obvious thing, especially your point about when they don't have Draymond. They don't have anybody else who can create a shot. I think, I mean, we saw what the Bucks did to them last night. Well, Steph, Steph's the only one. Steph's the only one. And Wesley Matthews and the Bucks collective defense did an outstanding job in defending and making things hard on Steph and Curry. I know, like, oh, Steph just missed shots, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But the Bucks defense did make things very hard on him, particularly Wes Matthews. And this Bucks defense, they've been more aggressive this season, more blitzing. More hedging. Nikias Duncan had a great article about that over at basketballnews.com earlier this week. I mean, this team can shape shift and play different styles. And Giannis very well might just be the MVP again. Again. Like this Bucks team, I think the flip side of that game against Golden State last night is, is Milwaukee once again has shown that they have a legitimately serious chance of winning a back-to-back championship this team is strong and it could even get better if they're able to get brooke lopez back from his back problem but bobby portis in the meantime has shown this team doesn't need to play drop pick and roll coverage with brooke lopez they don't need to have that size out there they can play different ways and still beat you the other thing is this kev you think about who the best teams in the western conference are right now who's got the matchup to even make life hard on him I don't know if anybody can. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I I get it. There's probably not there's probably not somebody in the universe that can do that. But I mean, again, like when you say, okay, who could stop Giannis from absolutely destroying them like he did Phoenix in the finals last year? It's it's hard to find, you know? It's hard to find that guy that you think is gonna be able to stop this guy from killing you on any team you know so when you've got that as a weapon in your arsenal that's the other thing too if you can get through the east there might be some teams in the east that are actually better equipped you know so you might have to count on that if you're a western conference team somebody picking them off in the east whether it's a you know a bam out of bio or whether it's an mb or what you know one of those guys because in the west i'm not so sure that there's a great matchup for that one you know um, for him to just not go supernova. We had said, what was it, last show? Like the West, man, this could get a lot, lot better. We're, we're talking about Wiseman coming back to the Warriors. We were talking about maybe we'll see what happens with Lillard and how they try to build around that. We talked about Kawhi and him coming back. And I swear, 
since the last show, Wiseman, no idea. There's that report that Paul George's elbow is not coming back right and he may get surgery and be done for the year. So that throws them out. And too bad for the Clippers. They don't have their first round pick. It's unprotected going to OKC. There's no reason for them to lose. And 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 when and they, are, and, they, and they and they might be trading people too. Like they might be trading the Marcus Morrises of the world. Well, they're going the wrong way fast already. And that's without the you know hearing the Paul George news. And uh, you know, I think we thought that his absence wasn't going to be nearly as severe as what it could be now. And then you have the Lillard thing. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Since we last spoke, it appears like we may not see Damian Lillard play basketball the rest of this season. Um, and you wrote an article about this. And I think that every observer of the NBA realizes that that run, that time, uh, with what they had going in Portland that is over and they expect the the sell-off and the rebuild uh, around Damian Lillard and not like a rebuild where you go and get draft picks and start all over, but rather, okay, we have this centerpiece. How do we want to build out around it on the fly, altering our lineup by swapping out what we have for whatever we're going to try next. Um, so kind of walk me through. I know you had to think about this a lot in order to write the article, but upon the news that we're not going to see Damian Lillard, um, they got a lot of choices to make and new guys running the show there. That was in my Monday column uh, with seven observations, and it was a fifth one on there for anybody who wants to read it. And it came out like a couple of days before this Dame news came out about the surgery and now it's become more serious yeah it like it, it like just just replaced might with did get surgery and like the article still stands the same um i mean basically like my point in the article is like the best path forward for them is to lose games this season it's to get higher draft odds it's to reshuffle the deck it's to trade a nurkic a covington possibly a CJ McCollum, even a Ben McLemore for that matter, and reshuffle the deck here in a way that sets you up for better, a better team around Lillard next season. Because like I said earlier, in regards to Bradley Beal, there's no indication that Beal wants out of Washington. 
there's still no indication that Lillard wants out of Portland. So if you're Portland, you have the superstar signed long-term that is committed to your franchise despite all the crap this past year. It's their responsibility to build the proper team around him when you have a player of his caliber. This is the situation you're in. Unless you decide to blow it up entirely, I don't think that's the smartest thing to do for Portland in their given situation. Reshuffle the deck, get worse this season, get higher draft odds, and you know what? Maybe on lottery night, you, you win it. You get the number one or number two pick. I had some people in my mentions responding about that saying, the Blazers and with Dame in his early 30s can't be patient for a prospect to develop. Well, two things, two responses to that. A, just because you have a high pick doesn't mean you keep it. You could use it in trades. It positions you to be flexible. And if you do keep that player, you also do need to think about life after Lillard. And I think for the Portland Blazers franchise here, they are in a position now where it is it is a major silver lining in this waste of a season and this disappointing, underwhelming, frustrating season that now, with Lillard being out for at least five to six weeks, likely longer considering where that would put him when he gets reevaluated. You know how these things are. Yeah. He's going he's gonna, he's gonna to get reevaluated in six weeks, and then they're going to say he's going to get reevaluated in two more weeks, and then it's late March, and then they're going to say he's shut down for the rest of the season. That's what's going to happen. This has been a problem since the Olympics. Yeah, no kidding. I'd be shocked if Damian Lillard plays another game this season. I would be shocked. Just based off the timeline, logically, logically, it doesn't make sense. But for Portland here, reshuffle the deck and get higher draft odds. And you put yourself in a position where, you know what? If an opportunity becomes available for a star trade or a great player and you have the number three pick, you might be the team that can go get that guy. And then you suddenly might have a team that looks really, really great around Damian Lord. Change can happen fast. And for Portland, this is the best, best path forward. Do you think that if we don't see, if, if Paul George gets the surgery, all right, let's just say it doesn't heal right. I think it was Jake Fisher that was reporting on this. It doesn't heal right. He might get the surgery. So let's say he does. At that point, do you think that that rules out a Kawhi return? Do you think Kawhi still would come back even if Paul... No, no, no. 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 The Kawhi, Kawhi will only come back if the Clippers feel like they can win a championship. That Then Kawhi could come back. But if Paul George is out for the rest of the season 100%, Kawhi's not coming back either. If you told me they can hold down the fort, you know, until Kawhi Leonard comes back, well... I mean, there's still you're still a team that you know was able to win without Kawhi Leonard last year in the playoffs. So it stands to reason they might be able to win at least beat somebody in the first round if Kawhi Leonard is you know top five, ten player in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard again, but it, it's fascinating to think about you know whether they're just a write off completely. Um, because they wouldn't be. They, they might be. They really might. I mean, be. they wouldn't be if they if you told me that Kawhi would still come back. But if 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 Paul George says I'm getting surgery and then that rules out Kawhi, then you know that's the end of that. And we don't even have to think about them being a a threat. I mean, look though, with the Clippers, they're they're in a. It's a different position than what the Blazers are in, but it's similar in the sense that the Clippers need to use this season to set up for next season and the year after that. 
Like, how, how do you maximize Paul George and Kawhi Leonard when they're healthy for the start of the season and you enter the year with legitimate championship hopes? And also, Jake Fisher had in that report about, Paul, you know, the potential surgery is the potential for them to be sellers, too. And I've heard the same thing where whether it's guys like Marcus Morris or Sergi Baca or Reggie Jackson or Eric Bledsoe, the Clippers are a team to monitor here Canard. when it comes to Canard for that matter. You're right. I mean, the Clippers are a team to watch to be sellers because, again, we just said it earlier. OKC has all of their picks. All of them. If the Clippers bought them out this year, they don't benefit. The Thunder get that pick. So for the Clippers, they, they need to restock their asset cupboard. They don't have anything. It's empty right now. And if they're able to get something for Morris, for Bledsoe, for even Batum, for that matter, they got to really think about that and come back next season with a totally look, different looking roster because the, the mix right now with their veterans is, is not effective. It's fascinating because that is, that's two different teams, Kevin, that I do think, as you say, you know, if we look at it and we say Portland is a seller and we say the Clippers are a seller, both of those teams were built to win right now. So they are flooded with veterans that can help you win at the highest level, right? Now, maybe not as a collection, it's not good enough, right? But, but for somebody else. Yeah, but for somebody else, there's a lot of guys on those teams. If, if the, you know, it's not a... It's not a crap team sell-off. It's a team that's selling off simply because of their circumstances that have taken place where you've had these injuries and whatnot. But that like all those different guys, you know, when you're talking about a, a Nurkic here, a Covington here, uh, you know, a, a Luke Kennard McCollum, here, Powell, a Marcus yeah, Morris. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could you could see veteran teams being out there being like, oh boy. We could really enhance ourselves by adding, you know, this guy. Because you're not adding that whole roster. You're just, adding, you're just getting to pick off one of them and say, this is how this guy fits with us. Um, so it's, it's interesting because it's like these two teams that probably fancied themselves as contenders or wanted to be contenders. They're not. So their sell-off is a lot different than a team that's just, we're not achieving what we wanted to, so we're selling off, you know, and just going to tank out and get draft picks. And I, I think the other other factor to think about here, uh, and we'll see how the trade market develops. Like, who, who, are the, who are the names that are out there right now? Ben Simmons, Sabonis, Turner. Those are probably the best names. There's a chance none of those three to get dealt. There's a chance. I mean, I think with Indiana... I bet on them moving Turner or Sabonis. They want two firsts for Miles Turner or a lottery pick. Karis Levert, the other name, he could get moved, but he's not like that level of player. Uh, he's Portland and LA can offer guys more in the, the Levert category or slightly worse. Point being is that a contending team might end up giving a first for a, a role player. We've seen first round picks go for role players before. So I, I think there's a possibility here where the Clippers and Blazers are like, yeah, we'll, we'll take a first-round pick, even if it's protected or a future pick for one of those guys. It has value. I wonder if, and I had not thought about this in conjunction with, and we can wrap this up with uh, what we started the pod with, that Cam Reddish deal. So when you and I spoke on Tuesday, we talked a lot about the stories that had come out regarding 
Ben Simmons in Atlanta and the irony that was involved with that and with giving up uh, Solomon Hill, who was one of the expirings uh, in that deal, and with giving up Cam Reddish, who was one of the pieces that was spoken about in the deal. You do wonder if that ship has sailed regarding Atlanta and Ben Simmons because of that deal that took place yesterday. Because no longer can Cam Reddish, the promising young player, you know, that was going to come in the deal outside of, of course, John Collins. But you needed somebody to be really high on Reddish, whether that was the Sixers or a third team. And that component of, you know, if he was part of what you were going to throw in, in a deal, that's now gone. That's with the Knicks. And I don't know. Maybe you kind of wonder if that was even part of why this deal, besides DeAndre Hunter coming back, part of why that deal happened when it did, because it was like, all right, we, we're not doing the Philly thing, so now let's just figure out where we're moving this kid and the Knicks. And unless Philly, unless Philly's like, we don't want Cam Reddish. Which would be understandable. It's possible. I mean, well, I mean, it's just a, it's a, it, if you don't have a conviction in him, you ain't giving up anything good. And that's exactly what the Knicks did. They don't have to have a conviction. They can test it out. And if it doesn't work and they don't pay him, no big deal. But if you're going to be giving up a lot, which giving up an all NBA performer is a lot, you better think that we're getting a future star here, you know, and it, it, in the deal. Because that's, I mean, you, you certainly wouldn't just let him walk. You'd, you'd pay him. And you'd have the conviction that we would be willing to pay him in the offseason. Are you sick of talking about Ben Simmons at all, Verno? I'm not. I, I, I'm fascinated by this. Like it's it's a, a story. It's a big story when one of the top players in the NBA is not playing and his team is a contender. Um, and his... It is going to change things. It's going to change everything. The ripple effects could reach every team. He massively. Yeah. Bro, did you see that? By the way, did you see that story? That came out about how he was going to need a month. Did you see that? I can't to ramp back I'm... up. Yes. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? If you read it, it, it sounds like the, you know, don't worry about like his mental health issues that they say those are going to clear up. Don't worry about that. Oh, yeah. I think Sam Sam over at The Athletic mentioned the ramp-up period. Then Woj of the ESPN had, had the line in there where he said, Rich Paul told the Sixers that Simmons' mental health hurdles continued to preclude him from a return to play with the team, and the desire for a trade out of Philadelphia remains in place, sources told Woj. But that, so, but that he would be okay kind of if this... he... No, no, no. But don't worry if you're a team trading for him because the mental health things are going to go away. It's related to the Philly yes. thing. Yes, it, it, it was... Yeah, exactly. Like, what the, like, oh, my God. Like, are you serious? You shouldn't be dicking around with the mental health issue like this, but whatever. And then... It, it, that's my opinion. And then, on the other side, uh, the ramp up for a month? What have you been doing? Like, why am I, bro, we ain't got that much time left. I'm trading for your ass and you need a month. <gasps> it's crazy. I didn't know if that, was that a scare tactic just so some, you know, team that's trying to make the playoffs doesn't trade for him? You know what I'm saying? 
Like if you're the Kings and you got the mandate to make the playoffs and you say, to hell with it. We're all in. We're throwing together this deal. We're we're getting Ben Simmons. And then it's like, well, we got to win like a lot of games the rest of the way. But then he says, uh, actually, uh, not only did you trade these players, but I need a month. So like, I can't help you for a month. So like, that doesn't help me towards my goal of trying to be good right now. So the lines Sam had at the athletic was accurate or not this year's this year's long pattern of Simmons struggling with confidence issues on the floor is seen by some interested teams as a separate matter from the mental health struggles that he has cited cited as his reason for staying off the court in terms of Simmons eventual availability with a new team. The message has been sent that he would be ready to play after a few weeks of intensified conditioning and on court action. So a few weeks, which I mean, I guess that raised, that gets to your point about what has he been doing then? Well, and look, I want to explain to everybody. There's nobody that has not dealt with either mental health issues themselves. We are much more aware and we are much more open about it than ever before, whether it's professional sports or life, right? And whether it is people in my own life or whether it is uh, people that you know that have dealt with this, to me, when when the narrative is um, don't worry about trading for him, but he, cause he'll be fine. And it's like, which is it, man? Like, do I need to be truly concerned, compassionate and empathetic about the situation you're in? And in the end, you don't want to be callous, but business is business. And if you're going to be on, you know what I mean? If you're going to be un, uh, unable to play, if the seriousness of these mental health issues is going to preclude you from playing, then obviously I'm not going to be interested in help trying to build my franchise around you. That's just, that's not being callous. That's that's the world we live in. And it, I don't want to be uh, non-empathetic to what he's going through. But when the message now is starting to come out, don't worry about that. To me, I, it minimizes, you know, the mental health issues that so many people around have um, because that's when it feels like it's being used as the reason to not play, but that you will be able to play as long as you get me out of here. I mean, look, it, it's a complicated issue that we don't have every single detail to. Um, that's why when I when I assess the situation, I kind of look at it from like a cold business standpoint. I don't care about the cause as much as what's going to actually happen here. Who are the teams? Who are the teams that are going to step up and try to get a two time All NBA player, uh, an All Star, an excellent defender, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate? And is Daryl Morey in Philadelphia going to continue staying patient and essentially call a bluff and say, "Yeah, you'll come back if we take this to the deadline. You're not sitting out the whole year." That that's where I look at it. I, I I tend to invest my thought and my energy and into the business side of things here because that's that's what I know most about. That that's what I have the most, you know. That's just just the truth. Absolutely. We're not experts on this stuff, but the business side of this is is what follows, Kevin. Yeah. You're not playing now because of this. Why would you play for me? You know what I'm saying? Like you're the reason you're not playing basketball is because of this. Okay? We got that out there. What would be different? Why would you be able to play for me? If you can't if you can't play basketball now, 
why would you be able to play basketball in two weeks? That's that's the business of this, right? And that's what you know you're attempting to combat when you're putting out articles, you know, or having people write your side of the story. Yeah, and it's it's there's the so fa- there, it, it, there, this there, is why it is a topic and why I'm not tired of it because it's fascinating. I agree, and, and also I think behind the scenes there is so much Ben Simmons stuff that you hear about like hey this deal could be close hey i heard this hey i heard that like there's so much stuff floating out there in nba circles like it is crazy with ben simmons like like this this thing like like you said this this could have ripple effects across the league like with whatever happens here whether he returns to philly gets traded by philly depending on who he gets traded to why the team is trading for him if it's a team that feels like they're trading for him cuz they want to bolster their championship odds or if they're trading for him cuz they're so desperate to get in the playoffs we don't know it's gonna it's gonna change everything yes and how teams and players handle their business going forward Yes. It could have an impact. You're on that. right. Definitely. It really could. Definitely. If they, if they get a shitty deal for him, then people are going to say, all right, I ain't going to do it like Daryl did it. If they get a great deal for him, then they'll say, all right, I'm going to hold my ground like Daryl did. Yeah. If it, if he has to sit out, the next player might be like, well, shit, I ain't sitting out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, or like, what, 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 what if it goes to the deadline? And like, then he's like, oh my God, do I have to come back? Or do I just sit up the whole year? Then a player might be more hesitant to do it. You're right. Yep. You don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's fascinating to say the least. I love the story personally. I mean, I think, I think it's, I can't wait to see what happens with this. I, I, I really can't wait. We've got a bunch of great games that are going on this weekend. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Kevin, I will talk to you next Tuesday. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend. 